1: It's time for Eye Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Eye along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling Text Line, 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
2: Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program, I Pella Saturday Sports Talk, with you until eleven. On a busy Saturday here in Central Illinois, a busy football Saturday, a lot of other stuff going on as well. Kickoff this afternoon at Memorial Stadium, two forty will be kick time, and a sellout crowd is anticipated. A few tickets. Remaining, Mr. Tate. How are you this morning? You're good. There are always tickets available. Oh yeah. Somewhere along the way, but they're expecting the first uh, capacity crowd in six years.
3: Will this wind uh, turn anybody away? I know it's uh, it stops some tailgaters because they're afraid their tents will blow away.
2: They might. <laughs> Anything that uh, you don't have locked down is in jeopardy today. No doubt about it, uh, although I think the winds are supposed to diminish as we go along, but yeah. uh, not before they might hit 50 mile an hour.
3: Yeah, it's really going to be tricky for field goal kickers and punters, particularly. It,
2: it is. And th- those winds inside the stadium, of course, swirl quite yeah, a bit. swirl. Our phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Got a busy uh, schedule of guests lined up, including uh, Jack Ebling. He'll talk about uh, Michigan State. Former Illinois coach Lou Tepper will join us as well at 9.30. Tim O'Halloran, edgy Tim. will talk some high school football with him. Coming up at the uh, top of the second hour, in studio, Hall of Famer Mo Gardner. He is a member of the uh, 2020 University of Illinois class of Hall of Fame uh, people. He was not able to attend uh, when they honored those folks, so he will be here today to be honored, and he's going into the College Football Hall of Fame next month. He'll be in the studio, Kent Brown, with him. And then uh, we'll also talk in the 10 o'clock hour uh, some Illinois basketball with Mike LaTulip and a little bit of a fall golf review with Mike Small. All that is on board for uh, this particular show, and then our pregame coverage begins from Memorial Stadium, uh, outside of Memorial Stadium in Grange Grove, at 12.30 ahead of that game, Illinois and Michigan State. How are you feeling about that ball game? It's been an interesting week in uh, East Lansing, well, for sure. you know,
3: you just don't know what to expect ever. I mean, it's, it's a strange day uh, in terms of the weather, and Michigan State coming in here without eight basically defensive players who got suspended, including their top linebacker. I mean, it's got to hurt them. I mean although they're not uh, affected offensively, at least uh, in terms of personnel. Uh, I just don't know what what kind of an attitude you're going to get here.
2: Yeah, and they've not been very impressive on the season. Uh, they no, lost but the they last did week. beat Wisconsin, they you did. know, and,
3: and that was a good win for them. And I think any win over Wisconsin is a good one. And, and uh, of course, uh, the whole Western Division – is down this year, even even in playing the each other, we can see that there's a, a big fall off, and the Illini are trying to take advantage of that.
2: Michigan State two and four in the league, three and five overall. They lost at Michigan, as uh, most everybody knows, last week, and uh, they're coached by Mel Tucker, playing Illinois for the first time. Brett Bielma three and four in his. I'm guessing that uh, Michigan State is one of the few teams that uh, Brett Bielma has a losing record against in, in Big Ten play because yep. he was so successful at Wisconsin.
3: You know, the thing that they haven't shown very much of is their running game. They're, they're leading rushers about 48 yards a game, and they're like 11th in the conference in, in terms of rushing, uh, Illinois being uh, right at the top, of course, and, and uh, Illinois' pass defense is one, and, and Michigan State's pass defense is 11th, so... This is, a, this is a team the Illini should beat, but again, you, you never know. They're, they're competitive, and there's something that's happened to a team that was 11-2 and two last year. They shouldn't have fallen this far. Of course, maybe they shouldn't have been 11-2 and two last year. Somewhere in between, right?
2: And there's something that's happened to this Illinois defense, too, that yeah. all season long. They're number one in so many different categories, yeah. uh, and uh, just getting a lot of national attention now.
3: Yeah, Scott Ritchie found 10 different categories yes. that they're number one in.
2: That's amazing indeed. Some other uh, notes, Women's Basketball played an exhibition game last night at the State Farm Center, 78 to 43 win over Quincy. They open the Shauna Green era coming up uh, next Wednesday at the State Farm Center against Long Island University. World Series yesterday was a travel day. Yep. They play tonight with um, Houston holding a three games to two edge. Gonna be tough on the Phillies to get two out there in Houston.
3: Yeah, it will. Yeah, it's uh it's a it's a I've felt like Houston had the edge all the way through the playoffs and and right up to now.
2: And uh, NBA last night, the Celtics beat the Bulls one twenty three to nineteen. One nineteen. One twenty three to one nineteen. Io with eleven points, DeRozan had forty six in the ball game for the Bulls. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. They feed him
2: and uh, the Bulls are 5-5 five and five in their first 10 games of the season. High school football playoffs continue, second-round playoffs. Some area teams in action uh, today and tonight, so that'll be affected by the weather as well. Muhammad Seymour plays a night game at home against uh, Metamora in 5A. We'll run down some of those other games for you. So there's some of the headlines on this. Uh, Busy Saturday, the other Big Ten football games. Uh, the one to keep note of, I think at, at least, is uh, the Iowa at Purdue game, 11 o'clock. Purdue is in second place in the Big Ten West. They're one game behind Illinois at three and two. The Illini at four and one. You need, uh, I don't know, I for I'd, I'd like to see Purdue beat Iowa. I'd like to see anybody beat Iowa, <laughs> but uh, I guess it would help. If Iowa be Purdue, but you, Illinois has got to play Purdue next week either way, so yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter.
3: Yeah, did you know home home field is such a factor? The Michigan, Ohio State, and Illinois are seventeen and zero at home. Purdue has lost one game at home. Uh, I'm talking in Big Ten. They're four and one, and the only loss was to Ohio State. So is that correct? Is that yeah Ohio State only? So. Um, in the in the lS in the SEC, the top four teams are 20 and O at home, so it does mean something to be at home evidently and uh, Illinois is home today, and so is Purdue
2: now Purdue didn't play Ohio State no
3: I've got that written down wrong I guess
2: let's see they're, I made a mistake. they're they lost to Penn State. Okay. In that first game, remember that? It's
3: PSU, not OSU. Yeah, 35-31. <laughs> that didn't seem right to me, but I thought, well, I got it written here. A...
2: Well, Michigan State's uh, defense is not uh, real stellar. Let's look at them against the run. They're 12th in the uh, Big Ten, and they're going to see some uh, some runs from Chase Brown and Josh McCray, perhaps today as well. And with the wind blowing, maybe they'll just uh, they'll gamble on trying to stop that first and. Uh, Make uh, Devito well, put the I ball in the
3: air. When, I think when you're an underdog, you do you do gamble sure. a little bit. You you set your defense, and I, I think what they're going to try to do, they're going to assume that Illinois is going to try to run with with uh, the with, with chase and and probably uh, set their defense in that way and, and gamble that they can stop the pass. And it might be difficult to complete passes with the win this way, but Illinois has been pretty effective. Well, obviously, twenty out of twenty-two last week—that's sensational. And they'll try some more of that today—short passes and to Williams, and hopefully the tight ends. And maybe they can, maybe they can get an offense going here and get ahead and not make us sweat out the fourth quarter.
2: Exactly, and they've been doing a pretty good job of that yeah. lately. Yeah, I was—I uh, commented to somebody in the booth last week in the in Lincoln, in uh, Nebraska. There in the fourth quarter, I said, "Boy, this game's kind of dragging, and uh, let's just get it over with." and it felt different to be on the the winning side of that. Usually we're like, okay, we know how this game's going to go. Let's yep. let's get done what we need to get done, get on the plane and get out of here. But it is a, a good feeling for Illinois fans to feel that comfort in the second half of ball games.
3: They've got a really good receiver in, in a guy by the name of Coleman who had a bunch of yards last week and and uh, Thorn is is a third-year guy at, at school and from Michigan State. He's by the way, he's the grandson of a of a coach here in the state of Illinois.
2: Right. He's passed for seventeen hundred yards, but he's thrown eight interceptions. He's got twelve touchdown passes, but eight interceptions. You mentioned uh, Keon Coleman. They've got another receiver, Jalen Reed. Both those guys with thirty six catches mm-hmm. on the year. And Daniel Parker is out there as a uh, or Daniel Barker. I'm sorry, is mm-hmm. the uh, tight he had 14 end.
3: fourteen catches. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had a great year. I was totally dropped a few, but uh, made a nice touchdown catch. I, I think in the first game of the season, a one handed catch in the end zone and. That's his only touchdown so far and it was interesting to me to hear uh, Bielma say that he last season he met with him personally every Friday. I just wonder how many players you could meet with when you got so many players on your team I mean he it's met a lot of meetings with,
2: isn't it? yeah
3: I met, met, met with uh, Barker every Friday and then when the season's over Barker left. But he wanted more balls, there's no question. He felt like he should receive have more opportunities as a receiver and didn't get them, so he left and went, went into the portal and wound up at Michigan State, and he isn't getting many more, if any more, uh, at Michigan State this year than he got at Illinois last year.
2: Yep, and he could have been playing in a bowl game uh, had he stayed. Yeah, And you got to catch the balls when they're thrown to you, too. Uh, you know, <laughs> you're not going to... Demand more balls till you prove you, and, and he had his moments, no doubt. I thought he was a good player, uh, pretty dependable guy, but there were some other tight ends on the roster that he may have seen.
3: Did you ever know a receiver didn't think he was open? <laughs> <laughs> they all think they're open.
2: Well, you got to catch everything you can then, no doubt about that. 9-11 is the time. We're off and rolling on the Illini Pella Saturday, Sports Talk here on DWS. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. I Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Pellaofchampaign.com.
4: Hey
5: Illini family, it's Brad Underwood. We'll see you Monday at the State Farm Center and catch game day coverage starting two hours before tip-off. Right here on DWS.
2: That is coming up on Monday night against Eastern Illinois, the season opener for Brad Underwood's Illini basketball team. This is Illini Pelos Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 11 o'clock. Back with you a couple of hours before the uh, ball game this afternoon against Michigan State with our pregame coverage. Going to talk more about the Spartans right now. Jack Ebling is on the line with us. Jack, good morning. How are you?
6: How are you doing, Steve?
2: We're good. We're good. Anything going on up there in East Lansing this week? <laughs> no,
6: no, no, no. It's quite well, you know. Uh, yeah, the women's soccer team um, <laughs> won a
4: championship,
6: and, uh, you know, women's cross-country won a championship. So, you know, just uh, more of
2: the same. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the football team. Everybody's seen uh, and heard about that incident in uh, Ann Arbor in the in the tunnel. That's a whole nother issue about what should be done about the way teams exit yeah. the field there. But uh, it resulted in eight suspensions, and... Um, yeah. A lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, Michigan State has a game to play. How do you think they'll uh, yeah. they'll they'll fare down here? And how do you think they handled that situation all week long?
6: Well, you know, maybe they thought that Chase Brown needed a little handicap <laughs> working for him. hadn't done much this year, you know. So no, actually, uh, I know Illinois fans are used to that three and one from the Illini band. Michigan State defense has its own three and one. It's a blown assignment, a missed tackle, and a personal foul.
3: <laughs> now, let's not get extreme here. Hey, by the way, Jack, what's the future for those eight guys?
6: Don't know, Lauren. Uh We're still waiting for final reports uh, from the Big Ten and from the Ann Arbor Police Department. They're trying to talk to everyone, including me. Uh, I don't know what the final resolution is going to be. I think uh, Mel Tucker acted... Uh, expeditiously and judiciously, and uh, suspending guys who it look like had some involvement in it, the problem is it's a little bit like taping in the White House or something else where they're missing pieces, and maybe you don't get the whole story, so they're trying to put that all together, and there are a lot of there's a lot of speculation of what wasn't in the video
3: mm-hmm. well you you assume that they're probably lost for the rest of the season. I just wonder about maybe coming back uh, for a bowl game or coming some back next year too, so yeah
4: I,
6: I don't know if but uh, you know some of them will come back one thing about our society for better or worse uh, we love second chances and it's not like you have uh, priors uh you know i've seen guys who have domestic disputes and and uh, domestic violence and uh, you know they, they get a, a deal and plea to it, and then you know they're back. And uh, we've seen it with all sorts of substance abuse. So I don't know uh, if these guys are, are going to be uh, hung at the gallows. But uh, for right now, it puts uh, Mel Tucker in another interesting situation. They've had so many injuries from the opener on. And all the injuries this year, Lauren, that they did not have last year when they went 11-2. Yeah,
3: yeah. It's just the way it works sometimes. Illinois is going into this game today, and you know we keep knocking on wood. They're 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 healthy as they can be. In fact, they're getting Josh McCray back for sure this week, and and uh, got their kicker back, Caleb Griffin last week. And they're basically I don't their lineup is just as solid as it could be. I don't, there's not a guy that we really feel like we're missing. We lost a, a defensive end by the name of Holmes at the beginning of the season, and he's the only one. And he's certainly been replaced by. Uh, uh, an outstanding freshman we have here by the name of Akas and I pronounce that right, Steve? I never get it right. Akas 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 Ackes. Okay. The J is silent. The J is silent. Okay. But he, anyway, he's not silent on the field. But uh, do you expect uh, anything special from Michigan State today in terms of a bounce back? No. You don't, huh? Nope. Well, what about... What's the feeling there about Tucker? Nine point five million is a lot of money to pay a coach. Yeah, and I know it's based on eleven and two, but uh, yeah. what's the it's what's the sure feeling it now?
6: Money. It's uh, it's just uh, you know donors who liked what they saw last year and they wanted more of it, and uh, who knows if they'll ever get another eleven and two like that. But I think that he had a track record uh, where he was. He was the assistant coach for Nick Saban here. <coughs> He uh, played for Barry Alvarez. That's pretty good bloodlines. And then he went down and coached for Saban. Coached for Saban three times. And when Saban hires you three times, that's a pretty good recommendation. Nick also lobbied hard for Mel to get this job. And then uh, he went to the pros, and he was there for a decade. He was an interim head coach in the NFL, and I came back and worked for Kirby at Georgia. He's an exceptional recruiter. I think he does a lot of things well, but this year, just about everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And, uh, you know, I had a, had a nice win over Wisconsin. Not quite like the Lions win over Wisconsin, but nonetheless, homecoming, it was a good time to have a good game. And uh, I think they have a ton of work to do in the offseason. It's still possible, not likely, but it is still possible that they could have a winning record and um, make a bowl game. They would have to uh, beat Rutgers in Indiana at home, which is certainly doable. But they would have to steal one in Champaign or at State College, and uh, I'm not seeing that script.
2: Well, Michigan State was 15th in the uh, preseason poll uh, according to the uh, yeah. the AP, and I think you. I was going to ask ask 100%. you what. Yeah, I was going to ask you what the difference was. I think you answered that with uh, so many injuries right from uh, the start of the season, right?
6: Yeah, it's a lot of things. I mean, people now realize. Kenneth Walker III was a generational player. In fact, he he and Chase Brown are having similar seasons. The difference is that Chase Brown isn't leading the nation in yards after contact, I don't believe, uh, because the Illinois offensive line is doing a much better job than the Michigan State line did when he kept getting hit behind the line of scrimmage and then taking it for 75. So uh, I think that now people understand that he might have been One of the best players never to get to New York for a Heisman ceremony. Uh, He did have five touchdowns and 197 yards against Michigan. First time that any back has done that. That's one more than Red Grange had against him. Mm
4: -hmm.
6: So um, I think now people really appreciate what he did, not just for the running game, but for the passing game. And uh, that play action fake and all of the, toss-back plays that, that they had, flea flickers, uh, you know, it all centered around him. And uh, Michigan State a year ago was one of just two teams in the country, Michigan State and Georgia, to beat two Power 5 conference champions. And the last Big Ten team, the only Big Ten team in the last two years uh, to beat Michigan. So people really liked that. And, uh, you know, now Michigan got a win over them last week. So. They, Wolverines have won five of the last 15 in the series. But people also, when you get a little success, uh, they expect it. So they're wondering, you know, what happened? And injury is kind of a hollow excuse for most people because this team just has not played good football, guys. I mean, they beat themselves before other teams can do that with silly penalties, um, I think dumb play calls to some degree, um and the lack of depth has really hurt I mean you come out of a game that you know you win easily a uh, non-conference game which is supposed to be a tune-up and you lose your best player at every level of the defense now they've they've just gotten two of those three guys back but uh, now you you're losing eight guys including three starters and two other key rotational players on defense I don't know how you fix that
2: Talking to Jack Ebeling from East Lansing, The Drive with Jack Ebeling, longtime reporter in East Lansing. Were you there in uh, Ann Arbor uh, last weekend?
6: I was. I actually sauntered up to the uh, back of the tunnel by accident because I, I heard a lot of shouting, so I walked up and I couldn't see anything. But uh, it was after, I guess, the altercations had taken place. And I was amazed by the lack of security. I mean, I seriously could have walked right up there through It would have taken me a long time. That tunnel takes forever. But it does. I could have walked right out into the end zone. And, uh, you know, they, they showed a couple of security guards. This was after what had happened with Penn State and the warnings from James Franklin and what happened a year ago with Ohio State.
3: Well, Jack, what precipitated? And, uh, there
6: was one guy there, and he looked like he was on vacation, one, one security guy.
3: What what precipitated the the act by the by the Michigan State player to swing the helmet?
6: Well, that's what we don't know. Uh, we know that normally there's a separation mm-hmm. where one team goes off and then the other team goes off, and there were you know uh, uh, tempers uh, raging at the end of that game. Michigan tried a reverse pass play with two minutes to go, it was incomplete, but. Um, that didn't sit well with some people. You know, this rivalry goes back before either team started playing football, you know, when Michigan State was founded in 1855, and Michigan didn't want it in existence. And you can go back through, as we have in a couple of books, and chronicle the, the ill will, which is built up over you know one and three-quarters centuries. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, that was a problem on the field. And then a couple of Michigan players came through the tunnel and, uh, you know, skipping and, and taunting. And then that doesn't justify anybody um, getting uh, costed, you know, eight to one or 10 to one or whatever it was. And who knows how the helmet swinging started. We saw one, one swing of a helmet. And then we saw Jamon green uh, walking up the tunnel and he looked fine. He was, Channing uh, some obscenities at Michigan State players, and I think he's going to play today, so I'm not sure what that does for his court case. But I think that um, Michigan State players obviously lost it, overreacted. And uh, if there had been 20 Michigan guys in the tunnel, they might still be there fighting.
2: Mm -hmm. Jack, real quick, uh, let's uh, talk basketball. How are things uh, looking there?
6: Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if uh, Michigan State might be able to get Kofi Coburn in the transfer. <laughs> he's got around. another year. Yeah. You know, they've got a great Japanese studies program here.
3: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, he's going to be studying it firsthand. But uh, wh- what's it look like for Izzo this year?
6: Uh, I think this team's going to be pretty good. I don't know that they're going to be a Final Four team. Uh, you know, he's won Big Ten Championship behind Knight. And he's got two years to to do it. Uh, Knight had 29 years. This is Tom's 28, 40 if you count his 12-year prison sentence working for Heathcote. But <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, he needs one more to get to 11 uh, to tie Knight and uh, Piggy Lambert. But uh, he's got 16 Big Ten championships, if you count the tournaments, and eight Final Fours. And he wants to go out uh, with a flourish. So I don't know how long that means he has to coach, but he has some interesting players, and uh, I think they're going to surprise a few people. Uh, uh, They start off uh, next week, next Friday, I will be in San Diego for the Armed Forces Classic on the aircraft carrier with Gonzaga. And then four days later, they get Kentucky. So Michigan State has a freshman center named Jackson Kohler, and he was counting down the days until he could play Drew Timmy and Oscar (laughs) Shipway careful what you wish for. I'll bet. I mean, yeah, that's that's a tough uh, indoctrination into college basketball.
2: Hey, Jack, always good to catch up with you. We appreciate you taking time with us and uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game.
6: You know, uh, you're going to have a ton of Illini fans. Around here, uh, starting
2: tomorrow, <laughs> after the game.
6: Well, yeah, you go into Ann Arbor, uh, <laughs> right.
2: right, right. I mean,
6: there's going to be a lot of orange and blue, and he's Lansing that day.
3: Yeah, well, we got a, we got Purdue uh, before that, but uh, that'll be the, yeah. the, the Purdue will be a big one. But the, uh, we we just like to go into Michigan with nothing to lose, with a with a Big Ten uh, West Championship in our pocket and. Play Michigan with nothing to lose.
6: You might as well just win the next
2: five, Lauren. There (laughs) you go. Hey, Jack, thanks. Good to talk to you. All right. Take care, guys. You bet. That's Jack Ebling from East Lansing, 929. We'll take a break and have more for you on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk after this.
0: Hey, Illini family. It's Illini women's basketball coach Shauna Green. Don't miss a minute of Illini basketball this season on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, DWS. And the Illini
2: women's team won an exhibition game last night against uh, Quincy by a score of 78-43. to 43. They open the season at home next Wednesday against Long Island University. This is Illini Pellis, Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're here with you as usual until 11 o'clock. We're back with you on our pregame coverage ahead of today's game at Memorial Stadium against the Michigan State Spartans. Happy to welcome uh, to the program former Illinois head coach, and before that, defensive coordinator Lou Tepper is with us on the phone. Good morning, Lou. How are you, sir?
7: Steve, Lauren, I'm doing great, and it's uh, it's great to be with you.
2: Got a windy day here at uh, <laughs> Do Memorial Stadium. You got a game plan for that? You've seen a few of those over your time.
7: I have, you know, and, and I'll tell you, it's uh, it always seemed uh, that the, that the wind was kind of zero to five in August and September. And then October, uh, it got a little bit higher, but November, uh, once it got to 20 miles an hour or more, and I hear you've got more, uh, it becomes a real factor in it, And it's a factor, not only in the special teams, but, uh, but throwing the ball. I do remember, and, and I don't know exactly the year, Lauren, you might be able to help me. We, we played, I think it was Michigan in Champaign, and there were two quarters. It was difficult to even throw the ball um, when the wind was so high. In fact, uh, Kevin Hardy, if we had had replay back then, Kevin Hardy intercepted, uh, I think it was a bootleg pass. He intercepted an out and uh, had both feet in, would have given us the ball uh, inside the twenty. Uh, and they rolled it incomplete. But it was because, because of the wind. Nobody could throw the ball down the field.
3: Well, uh, you had some heck, uh, terrific players uh, during your time, and we're going to have Mo Gardner on here a little bit later. He, in fact, he's going to be coming in the studio at 10 o'clock. And uh, uh, Mo was a nose tackle for you for four years. I mean, he, he basically played uh, right from his freshman year on, didn't he?
7: Yep, he sure did, and he was... Uh, uh, he was only about 235 pounds when he started. I mean, he was never—he uh, was always an undersized uh, lineman.
3: I'm but sorry, Marshall, I, I made a mistake. No, the, the first year he played for Mike White, right? That's right. You—you you right. picked we him came. up as a sophomore. Just, we just
7: him. And yeah. uh, and I'll tell you the unusual, the unusual thing about uh, Mo was that uh, we had done this at. University of Colorado. Before I came with a with a young nose guard by the name of Kyle Rappold, who was about five eleven, he was undersized, and we had him ninety nine percent of nose guards key the center, and we had him key the backside guard, but there was no one as good at that as Mo Gardner, and Mo would keep he would have his he he would have his inside foot over the ball, keying the guard away from him. And when that guard pulled toward him, he knew the other guard was blocking down, and Mo Gardner would spin out of it. Uh, he was he was hardly ever touched because the the guards coming down on him were just not quick enough for a spin move. But uh, Denny did a great job of uh, of teaching Mo, and Mo was uh, uh, he's just exceptional. He's one of the best. He and Booger McFarland I uh, had at LSU. Oh, shoot, I had Joel Steed at Colorado, too. He was pretty good. Uh, but they were all great
8: players.
3: Well, I'll put you on the a, on a spot. You had uh, A.G. and Brownlow and Jones and Mo Gardner in there and that one group. And then a, a little bit later, you had Simeon Rice, Holosek, Howard, and Hardy. Which one was the best? Which group was the best?
7: Yeah, I, I really I, – <laughs> I, I, I can't go there, but I will say, and I, I think you and I have talked about this before – we we had four linebackers um, that were all first-team, all Big Ten. I, I don't think there were, and I know I'm prejudiced, but I, I don't think there's ever been four better mm-hmm. than uh, Simeon Rice, Kevin Hardy, Dana Howard, John Holosek, and they all played in the league Um I mean, they were, they they made us look pretty good as coaches.
2: And Mo Gardner, uh, next month going into the College Football Hall of Fame. He's being honored today at uh, the Michigan State game uh, for his entrance into the Illinois Hall of Fame. So uh, you're, you've got another guy in the Hall of Fame, Coach.
7: Yeah, be sure and tell him that uh, I said my best. Love him.
2: We'll do that. And uh, as a defensive guy, you've got to appreciate, uh, if you've paid attention to this Illinois football team, that, Leads the nation in virtually every defensive category in this seven and one start. Very impressive.
7: Yes, they are. I'm really excited to, to see them and see them continue. I, I've been impressed with uh, Ryan Walters, even though I don't know him. Um, just because, as you, as a, as a defensive coach, as you look at uh, college football as it is today, things have not changed in terms of the the great defenses are almost always uh, founded on fundamentals. And it's the one thing that not only today, but even in the past, we're not taught significantly. Defensive coordinators love to be scheme guys. And uh, and Ryan has done a great job first building on fundamentals. Uh, His scheme is not... um, uh, so complex that they can't spend time with fundamentals first and then be able to have a great scheme, which which you can adjust to. There are a lot of great schemes, but in all of them, you must be a fundamental team first and you must be able to adjust. I I remember uh, one of my adversaries uh, Bo Schembechler and and Bo had a story I heard him talk at a clinic once, and he said that he was looking for a defensive coordinator. In fact, I think it may have been before he hired Bill McCartney, and he was looking for a defensive coordinator. And he heard about this guy who was a great lecturer, and he uh, he went and heard him, and he was really impressed with him. And then he went to the next lecture that he heard him a second time, and somebody in the in the in the crowd uh, said to him, "Hey, your, your guys." uh aren't aren't really that great at tackling. You you miss a lot of tackles. And he said, ah, he said, we we got a great scheme. Scheme scheme rules over fundamentals. And uh Bo walked out of the lecture and said, I'm not hiring that guy. <laughs> and uh and that's really the, the that, that really comes to so I I think that's impressed me as much uh with anything with uh with with the Illinois defense.
2: Well, Ryan Walters uh, has something in common with you. He has a tie to Colorado. Do do you know him at all? No, I don't. Well, he grew up out there, and uh, he um, played there eventually, and then uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, Colorado looking for a head coach. Would they look this way? I don't know. That's probably something that uh, we can discuss at uh, another time, but uh, this ball game today against uh, Michigan State, Illinois has a chance. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're leading the West uh, Division of the Big Ten, and Got their eyes on that uh, championship game in uh, Indianapolis coming up uh, the first Saturday in December. Quite a turnaround for Brett Bielma. What do you know, Brett, at all?
7: Yes, I do. Yeah, and I think an awful lot of Brett. Uh, Brett I think Brett actually played against us when we were beaten up on Iowa, right? Uh, back in the 90s. Um But uh, but he was the head coach at Wisconsin, and we we've spoken several times, and we still um, we still text. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of Brett.
2: Got a phone caller here that has a question for you about uh, a particular game, I think. Eric in Champagne, you're on the air. Go ahead. Uh,
6: hey, th- hey, thanks, Coach. Um, I was a student here actually working on the field when you when you were uh, coaching the team. back. But the team, uh, the game I remember particularly, nobody can forget the 1994, the Penn State game, very similar day to this, not quite this rookie. But um, I'm sure you remember that particular game being um, just, just something over the top and experience that uh, I'll never forget. Do you have any memories of that particular one?
7: <laughs> you had to bring that up. Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. And, and uh, Joe Paterno and I uh, were very close friends. Uh, his wife grew up nine miles from where I was. Uh, uh, I mean, it was, it was uh, that, that game in particular, uh, I, I think we had b- both great offense and defensive plan. Uh, uh, uh we, we led 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter, if you remember. Right. Yep. And, uh, their great running back had a fumble, That we owned their quarterback and, and actually for two years, uh, we intercepted, uh, several balls from them. Um, and, uh, and Doth- Dothard, I think, rushed for 177 yards. Uh, mm. But what people don't realize in that game was at the end, the last drive, they were never ahead until I think 40 seconds left in the game. Right. And right. the last drive, great linebacker, John Hollisek, one of the brightest guys that I've ever coached. John got dinged, um, and and didn't know where he was. And we had we had a coverage uh, specifically designed for Ingram, their wide receiver. In which we would play corner uh, with outside leverage and man coverage, and then John uh, inside the twenty would wheel and play man coverage underneath him, and so we could take away the slants and the inside breaking routes. And if you go back and look at that film, the ball was snapped and John never moved. Uh, he he just he just mentally he was out of it. And they completed a fourth down uh, I think it was a fourth down pass to him to keep the keep the drive alive and it, would, it there's no way it would have been completed had John Hollisek been uh, been himself. but those are some of the things that happened in football
3: Yeah, that's one of the yes. two or three great disappointments I think we've ever had in a game because they marched about 98 yards for that last touchdown as I recall.
7: Yeah that, that could very well be and you know they were 12 and0. Um you know, certainly certainly would have made a, a huge difference uh, uh, for us. And we had, you know, the crowd was electric. They, they were really uh, great that day, just as they will be today.
2: Hey, Eric, thanks for the call. Appreciate that. All right. Lou Tepper, thanks for your time. Always good to catch up with you. We'll do it again when we have a little more time. But uh, good to hear your voice, and uh, glad to know that you're keeping an eye on the Illini.
7: Absolutely. All right. Uh, be sure and tell Mo I said hello. Will do. And uh, thanks. I appreciate what
2: you do. Yep, appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Tep. That's Lou Tepper. It's at 945. We'll take a break and uh, talk some Illinois high school football with edgy Tim O'Halloran. Coming up next on Illinois Palace Saturday Sports Talk after this. Hi,
9: this is Jalen Waltz from Georgetown Rich Farm High School basketball. Monday, Fighting Illini basketball
2: takes on Eastern Illinois right here on News Talk fourteen hundred and ninety-three nine FM. Welcome back to the show, I, Pella, Saturday Sports Talk, Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate. It's Dad's Day weekend, and uh, Game Day Spirit would be a good place to take Dad. We need some fighting Illinois gear for the ball game this afternoon against Michigan State. Also, a big high school football weekend as well. Some area teams still in uh, play in the second round of the high school playoffs. Edgy Tim O'Halloran from the Rivals Network is on the line with us. Tim, good morning. How are you doing?
9: Morning, guys. Good. Good to hear from you. And, boy, it's exciting to hear, you know, places advertising, selling Illini gear. And, boy, (laughs) a lot of excitement in that. It's great to hear for a change.
2: It really is. Uh, Are you on your way to a high school game uh, today?
9: I will be. Yeah, I will be shortly. I'm uh, just going to try to fit two in today. Would love to get a few more, but, you know, there's this thing called time that gets in (laughs) the way.
2: Time and maybe weather. We've got uh, some real uh, windy conditions down here. I I suppose it's not that much different up there, is it?
9: No, it's the same. It actually started last night. I was out at uh, Prospect in St. Rita, and it was uh, 20, 25 mile an hour pretty consistently. And I don't know about today, but it sure sounds like it's that much, if not more. So yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be a factor in the
8: high school games for
9: Let's sure.
2: Let's talk a little bit about uh, Illinois and the success of uh, the Illini I've had right. at 7-1 and one on the season. and the recruiting and what that means to recruiting what are you hearing in uh, your contacts in in talking about uh, illinois football
9: well again i mean just the overwhelming theme is people are excited for fighting Illini football and, and that's something i couldn't really say a year year and a half ago for sure um you know i, I mean again I, ju- I just think everyone points to brett bielema and how they've done things and you know they've Kind of a, just a straightforward approach, and I know the coaches appreciate it. And, and I know there obviously there's a lot more interest in fighting alumni football from them. Recruit wise, again, guys, I'm going to stick to what we talked about the last time, and that is, I know there's a handful of 2023s that are available, and Illinois is in on all of them. There's no question. But I'm looking more towards 24 and beyond because I think to just be fair from a timing standpoint. You know, a kid like Malik Elsey, yeah, he's a kid that you want, and and I think you have as good a shot as anyone right now of bringing him in. But some of these other schools he's known and has built up a relationship for the last two, three years. Mm -hmm. And it's that way for a lot of these kids, guys. And I I think that is hard at times to overcome. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the success certainly helped shorten that uh, distance a little bit. But I'm kind of really more intrigued by 24 and beyond because I think that's when we'll see – Hopefully, two, three, four out of the top 10, top 15 wind up being just locked down, dead set, Illinois commits. And when that happens, guys, and you really got something going.
3: Well, he's made, uh, Beatles made a real effort uh, with the help of Pat Hamilton in trying to, to, to win back the coaches that had been basically yeah. lost by Lovey Smith.
9: Yeah. And you can't, you can't overlook the uh, contribution from Pat Ryan as well. Just an incredibly well-respected high school coach here in Illinois for years. And one of the few guys that could talk to the people up North and the people in central and Southern Illinois and be respected by all of them. And, and that's, uh, he's, he's definitely been a big part of that as well. And yeah, um, the effort has been there. It was there early on. It's been consistent and, uh, yeah, I I really can't ask for them to do much more than what they've done from uh trying to get those coaches back. And I guys, I I'd, I'd say they're back. I I haven't seen anyone not get excited about this team and the success they've had in the way they've done it. Uh,
3: do you see the number of transfers impacting high school recruiting?
9: Oh yeah, 100%. Oh, it's that's to me that's one of the biggest storylines is there are less opportunities. I'm seeing kids, guys that maybe three, four years ago could have been yeah, maybe maybe MAC level kids, high FCS level kids. That those opportunities in those schools rolling the dice and maybe taking a chance on a kid that you know might be six five, an offensive lineman that might be six five and two forty or two fifty. You know, take a chance, try to develop them a little bit. It, to me, with the portal and, and everything going on, you're seeing that less and less. So, yeah, I definitely have seen less overall scholarship offers and less overall opportunities for those kids. There's no question about it.
2: What's the answer to that, Tim, or is there one? Uh, I, I guess the portal is here to stay, but is there any yeah. way to, uh, to modify it or administer it or uh, scale it back a little bit to, so it would not hurt high school kids?
9: Well, I mean, I know you guys have seen it and I've seen it and heard other people, you know, obviously more vested in it than I am talk about, you know, cutting down the window where you're allowing transfer portal things to happen. And I think it's just a, it's a focus on your staff and their approach. Um, you know, I know that a lot of coaches will tell you they want probably the best of both worlds. And I think that's fair. Um, but I think you cannot ignore the high school level. You just can't. And, you have to have that mix. You have to have that that consistent flow of in-state kids, whether it's a handful or more than a handful. But um, you know, again, it's like everything. They're they're just rolling with what's out there right now with the rules, and as long as things stay the way they are right now, yeah, it's going to continue to impact high school recruiting. There's no question. And what's really tough, guys, is you know it, it's no longer where where a kid could potentially go JUCO or what have you, and and try to try to get a second look and develop a little bit. I mean, those opportunities are less and less as well, so that makes it even harder.
3: Uh, Tim, where is the state of Illinois in production numbers? That is of top prospects, so say four stars, and where is the, um, where is the state headed?
9: Oh, I think I, I think we're we're heading in a, in a positive direction. The next two recurring classes, twenty four and twenty five, are going to be really strong. Um, I've been impressed with. It seems it's funny. It's been interesting the last handful of years. You know, for years we continue to people talk about offensive linemen in the state and you mm-hmm. know how the state generates all these offensive linemen. I don't know who those people are because I look around and and I don't know all the all the big people. I think have left Illinois. I, it's it's amazing how we used to have a dozen high division one offensive tackle prospects and we just don't have those anymore. But what's filled in has been I think skill position wise things have improved greatly. Um, I think they've always been there. I, I just think that um, you know you, there are some there are some different areas that have definitely helped. That you have off season seven on seven, and you have more focus on position specific training. I think these kids are better. I think they're more developed than they have been in the past, and so that's led to it. And just the overall quality, uh, guys, is, is, is getting better. Let's face it; the last year or two it has been kind of rough and a lot of that had to do with with covid and the fall shutdown of the football season in 2020 um just not a good situation but but the positive from this year that i've seen is that a lot of schools and a lot of those programs have closed that gap and number one we're seeing better football across the board and number two i think we're seeing kids that have finally caught up from that in the weight room they're they're better they're better they're bigger they're stronger and and so again it's it's nice to see that upswing to the positive and I think it's going to continue for a little while.
2: Another minute or two with Edgy Tim O'Halloran. How are high school athletes uh, being educated, if you will, about NIL, which is another uh, new phenomenon in athletics?
9: I don't know if they are. It's a great question. Um, I still think there's a lot of question marks out there. I think you're obviously very high-level recruits are, are getting a crash course in it, whether it's from the coaches that are recruiting them, whether it's from maybe their high school coach. But, guys, I'll be honest, um, I haven't really sat down and had that discussion yet with, with the high school coaches, but that's something I'm definitely planning on doing. as an off-season project. Um, it's going to continue. I mean, you guys have seen across – across several states now, even at the high school level, they've adopted some form of NIL. And uh, like it or not like it, I think it's going to continue, especially as far down as the high school level. You're going to see more and more kids, whether it's an equipment manufacturer or what have you, they're going to take advantage. And um, I'm still very mixed on that, as I'm sure you guys understand.
3: Well, uh, Tim, as this, uh, these, uh, cha- these tournament games roll down, who you picking? Who are your top two or three teams in the state right now? And uh, as we, you know, and who's likely to win the uh, eight and seven A?
9: Yeah, well, I mean, guys, it's been it's been really a three horse race as far as I'm concerned all year. Well, okay, we'll throw four and um, Mount Carmel. Just Jordan Lynch has done a tremendous job there. This might be the most athletic Mount Carmel team I've, I can remember in a long, long time. Loyola's Loyola, which on Hollisek, you know, they're going to play great defense every week, and they're going to be in every game. And, again, just, uh, you know, uh, one slip up in Week 9 to Mount Carmel is the only blemish on the record. Lincoln Way East is a team that, you know, traditionally is there. They're not going to wow you. They they snuck by Neuqua Valley 17-14 last night. But that's just how Rob Zavonar and his team does things. They're not real flashy. They're not going to put up 50, 60 points. They're just going to beat people. And then the other one I'll throw in is East St. Louis because of, of how strong that program is and the amount of talent they have. And and Darren Suckett uh, has, has a really good path here in 6A, so I think they're going to come away with a state title most likely as well. So those four guys are the four, I think, that stand out above the crowd.
2: That's Tim O'Halloran. We appreciate your time. Enjoy the games today, and uh, keep your hat on, right?
9: <laughs> yeah, God knows I need it if you've ever seen the top of my head. So, uh, maybe I'll get some crazy glue or something. So <laughs> no. Thanks, guys. Yep, yeah, appreciate Thanks, it. Tim.
2: As Edgy right. Tim O'Halloran with the Rivals Network with us here as we approach the ten o'clock hour. WDWS, Champaign, Urbana. Hour number one of Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk in the books. Hour number two is coming up. Back after this.
0: Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket?
1: It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling Text Line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
2: Welcome back to the program, everybody. Hour number two of the show heading towards the 11 o'clock. Got an open line going right now if you'd like to jump in. 217-356-9397 is the time. Fun time of year, Lauren, down the stretch in a football season that matters, which is fun in itself. And the start of basketball coming up uh, on Monday night for the men, Wednesday night for the women. A lot going on, but uh, again, fun time of year.
3: Well, yeah, I'll say, and, and uh, you know, I, I I don't think we've ever had a year where we were more interested in, I say never, but not in a long time have we had a year where we're more interested in football in November, which is, uh, the weather's changing, it's a different game now, and we'll see if the Illini can play in this kind of weather, I, I think they can, but... Nevertheless, it's it is different.
2: I think the rain has passed. I keep waiting and um, looking out the window to see any signs of sunshine. I haven't seen that <laughs> no, yet. No, but I do see the, no <laughs> leaves on the trees. But out the here.
3: weather's warm enough. I mean, it, it, it's it's not going to be a problem in terms of, of uh, you know, it's going to be around sixty for the game, isn't it? Yeah, it's sixty-three and, uh, right now. And therefore, uh, you know, I, I think that guys will be able to hang on to the ball a lot easier than if it was forty or thirty-five. You know, it's just. Your hands are nice and warm and sticky and you got to stick them too I'm sure
2: and they've got gloves and uh, they wear whether it's cold or warm out there but uh, and you see the forecast you know we're, we're on the 5th of November it could be anything today it could be freezing rain it could be snow yeah. but next week it's going back to 70 midweek yeah. so it's uh, that's great living on borrowed time, perhaps yeah. you know, uh,
3: the, the number that that gets me is Illinois is giving up 8.9 points that's per amazing. Game six
2: touchdowns (laughs) all season three passing three rushing
3: yes it's it's incredible two of the only uh, and only 17 points in the second half right yes and i think that's still the number
2: that's uh, still the number and those two numbers you just gave are two of the many numbers that illinois leads the nation in got the phone lines open let's go to john in uh, Philo this morning hey john
10: good morning guys good show just have a couple quick ones a uh, buddy of mine told me there is a way that DeVito can come back, so can you verify that?
2: Yes and no. <laughs> they could appeal. I mean, they could file a uh, uh, proposal or appeal for th- him to come back, similar to what they did with Alex Belcheski, but it's not mm-hmm. very likely that it would be approved.
3: Well, he hasn't had injury. He's had two redshirt oh. years, and you're only allowed one. Gotcha. I mean, that And That's the answer. <laughs> the answer is... I'm told is that he can't come back, but that doesn't mean you can't appeal. Yeah. yeah.
10: Okay. And the other question is do you know if uh, like DeMonte and Trent and Io and Kofi, did any of those guys graduate, earn a degree?
2: Well, I think um I don't know about Io because he left early. Um yeah. uh Trent I would think did.
3: Well five years will
2: do. Yeah. It. That's right. <laughs> yeah,
4: and, and DeMonte never too. Heard that
3: yeah. What's that?
10: I just curious. I just never heard anybody get him getting a degree, for example, on Trent. I heard Demonte did, but you know, Kofi and I. Oh, yeah, I know they left a little early, but you know, those players are there for well, four they're years they're the
3: responsible time, so. to in order to stay eligible. You have to make progress toward a degree and i can't imagine that you'd go 5 years making progress toward a degree and not get a degree cuz you should get it in 4 and ah. some get it in 3 and i i'm not sure about Iowa. something tells right. me he did in 3 years oh, but okay. i'm That'd not be great. Su- well I, I mean i'm just saying i i i don't know i don't know okay. why i'm saying that but he's curious. Uh, it's really not really pertinent right now the way he's going
10: <laughs> anything no, else on a, your mind that, john that's a- no, let's go all night today. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate. All right.
2: Thanks for the call. 217-356-9397 is the phone number. And uh, Ken Brown has made his way into the uh, studio after uh, driving around town a little bit.
11: Well, we I blew in. Did you? <laughs> just put the sail up and just came on over. You lost some of your hair on the way I in. did. It really messes it up badly.
2: We just had a question. I don't mean to throw you on the, the spot right away, but it was a question about Tommy DeVito and whether or not he could come back next year. And I yeah. said there is a way, but it's not very a uh, likely way.
11: His his eligibility will be completed. I mean, there you know there might be a secret waiver of some kind that we could throw out there, but I think it's very unlikely. I mean, he's this is his sixth year, and so uh, he got the bonus year from the COVID and transferred, and uh, and so anyway that. We probably, we'll probably we probably be seeing the last of, of Tommy at, when the season's over this year.
2: We've got a Hall of Famer in our midst. Mo Gardner is with us in the studio. Mo, very good to see you. By the way, Lou Tepper says hello. Oh, that's what's up, man. <laughs> I
12: love Lou, man. He, we
2: had him on uh, just about 30 minutes ago. But uh, good to see you. Uh, Lauren Tate back in the corner. And Steve Kelly, we both covered you and your time here. And uh, congratulations. How are you feeling about all this Hall of Fame activity?
12: Man, it's, it's surreal, you know? I mean, you, you come and you put in a career that, that you're proud of. You play with guys who um, help you become a better player. You have coaches that, that do an excellent job of asking you how good can you be. And, um, i benefited from all that. So, you know, it's still hard to imagine that, you know, um you one of those guys that's going to get enshrined in, in, in the Hall of Fame. It's just a, it's just a, um, kind of a surreal situation.
2: Take us back a little bit. Uh, you're from Indianapolis Cathedral High School, and your decision to come to Illinois in the first place.
12: Yeah, I, w- I was fortunate. Cathedral was a really good high school, especially with football. I mean, I really got the uh, – fundamentals of the game taught to me really early on and, and and then um I was in benefited from the fact that I knew a couple of guys, James Finch and some guys that that that, you know, may not be names that people remember and know, but um they they were from Indianapolis and they were here. And then I took my visit, and um, I wanted to play for Mike White. I mean, there was just the element of, of what he could um, inspire in you as a player. And um, I remember he put on a video at one point of when the team went to the Rose Bowl with David Williams and in that class. And I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to, you know, cement my legacy um, to be part of a university that I felt like I could be a contributor to. And so um, that kind of sealed the deal. And, and when um, I got here – I was fortunate enough to play with some good players and also have some really good coaching with Coach Bill Kolar, who who went on to have a legendary NFL career. Um, And then uh, when Coach White left, Coach McEvitt came in, a whole different system. But still that same enthusiasm about um, this place as as an institution and what it means to actually suit up and play for this club.
3: I always connect a couple of names, Brownlow, A.G., those are names, right, right next to Mo Gardner,
4: aren't
12: they? Yeah, I mean, if not above those, man, those, those, those were my guys. Derek, you know, Derek and I have known each other since we were, you know, young. I mean, we, you know, we're at Cathedral together. Um, he came in the year after I redshirted and um, really solidified his own career here. And Mel, Mel was. Um, just like a brother here, when when we played together, I mean, he really was somebody who, um, when they say iron sharpens iron, he was really somebody that I played against, um, I played with, that just always inspired me to to try to be a better player and try to excel just because he had this infectious enthusiasm about the
3: game and about life. Mel was a, a bigger-than-life personality. Two uh, particularly good seasons under Makovic back to back. One was a Big Ten champion. One could have been. Uh, what, what set you know, what was it? I know Rick uh, George was a quarterback for those teams, yeah. What, 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 do you, what do you remember about what was the success factor?
12: Yeah, it, it's, it's easy to kind of quantify when you can play good defense and you got an offense that, that, that really can move the ball and really get the ball up and down the field, it keeps that defense, regardless of how good you are, that gives you that opportunity to be off the field. Um, it, it, it changes and it makes the game a lot easier. So we benefited from, you know, Howard Griffith, Jeff George, Sean Waxman. We had some really stellar um, offensive players that really put together a, a really good game plan offensively. And that infused us to kind of be able to pin our ears back and go after the offenses and really just play that kind of um, attacking, be at the point of attack kind of defense. And we just benefited from that. And there was a nice um, – balance between um, both sides of the ball that I think you got to have in the Big Ten.
3: had a good run against Ohio State.
12: Yeah, that's one of the things that um, I, I think back in. Um, I just gave uh, Kent um, one of the things he's going to put in the locker at the, the Hall of Fame. And the one that I'm most proud of is um, Prep Player of the Week. And um, I got that, and it allowed you to actually travel with the team and we went to Ohio State. And you don't dress – I mean, you dressed out, but you don't get taped. You just get – this—a privilege for what you did during the week. And that was the first game I ever left with the Illinois. So we go to Ohio State, and um, we get thrashed. I mean, they, they beat us pretty good. And to go back as a player – and to win those games in, in the horseshoe is one of the highlights of my career. You won right?
3: four in a row, I believe. Again.
12: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that was really something that um I, I still take a lot of pride in that. And living in Georgia now, you run across some Buckeye fans every once in a <laughs> while. And so I can
2: always, you know, uh, hang my hat on that. Can't tell us uh, something about Mo Gardner that maybe we don't know and, and, and how he's affected your job over the years, not only as a player, and now uh, ushering him in. Into a couple of hall of famers.
11: Yeah, you know we're. Uh, I look back, and I've done this for a long time. I've been in part of this for thirty six years, and I've told Mo this. So I said it before. He was the most responsible football player that I ever worked with, and you know he um, very mature. He got married, uh, had his first child uh, while he was here on campus. Uh, here he was. He was an All American, uh, the best defensive player in the Big Ten. Uh, we had some really good teams. And he never let that go to his head. He's very humble, but you know Mo was one of those uh, guys, the best guy I've ever been around. That uh, if I said Mo, hey, we've got an interview this week at Tuesday at two o'clock, can you meet me at the football office? That was the only time I had to say it, and Mo would show up at two o'clock at the football office to, to do the phone call or whatever. And I, I had him. I've held him as my standard. Bear my bar ever since then everybody's compared to Mo, and so to see him go into the College Football Hall of Fame um, I'm very pleased and excited for him because he certainly earned it and that it's hard it is hard to go into that Hall of Fame when you look at the hundreds if not thousands of players who are eligible uh, each year to go in that you have to be nominated there's a process Um, there's a committee that uh, all the National Football Foundation members vote to get you on the ballot, and then the ballot is voted, I mean, it is a very tough process, and if you look at the names on that ballot each year, there are some incredible, incredible players, and for Mo to be a part of that, I'm I'm very happy for him and very proud.
2: What's the plan today? To honor Mo at the stadium.
11: Yeah. So today we have a uh, the the pregame uh, event. The stadium club across the street. There's a short uh, presentation. Uh, the football foundation. Uh, Carl Allegretti, who you know, Carl, uh, his son Nick played for us, uh, is is here, and there'll be a short, about a 15 minute presentation to that group across the street, and then uh, Mo uh, will get a uh, uh, receive his uh, plaque that we'll display here on our campus on the field at the second time out of the first quarter and a chance for our fans to recognize uh, Mo and, and for what he's done. So every Hall of Famer gets a chance to do that on their own campus. Um, and so that's this is uh, Mo's deal. And then in about a month, uh, today's what, the 5th? Yeah, uh, December 6th, we'll be in uh, Las Vegas for the National Football Foundation, and that's where the actual induction goes. It's a Black Tie Affair. It's a big-time event. And, um, and so we'll be out there with Mo and some others to – Recognize uh, that that uh, honor.
2: We're going to talk more with Mo Gardner. We need to take a break here on Illinois Public Saturday Sports Talk. We'll do that and be back right after this. Stay with us. And welcome back to Night Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 11 o'clock. Back with you a couple hours before the ball game for our football coverage. 2.40 kick time today at Memorial Stadium and a capacity crowd we hope
11: yeah it's gonna be close i don't know if we'll get there or not but it'll be <laughs> close it's you know they keep selling tickets and there's a few left so hopefully we get a surgery our students uh sales weren't quite as good as we'd hope so that's maybe a little bit where we're short today
2: let's take a phone call before we uh, continue our conversation with uh all hall of famer mo gardner tom is on the line tom stocker how you doing man
10: guys i'm doing well sitting here in the research park parking lot getting ready to go to the game, and I, I just wanted to call because I wanted to wish Lauren a happy
3: birthday. <laughs> well, thank you. Appreciate that. Tom, how you doing?
10: I, I'm doing fine. I'm retired now, living up in Hayward, Wisconsin, and uh, still working, doing high school games and, and, and the such. And uh, well, uh, well,
3: Tom, we, re- we remember when you were at uh, Memphis with the Cardinal team there.
4: Right.
10: Yeah, I I left there in 2004 because at that time the Pacific Coast League, uh, not so rightly named, uh, went from Memphis and Nashville all the way to Sacramento and Tacoma and Vancouver, and and the travel was just murderous. But since Major League Baseball's taken it over, they've reorganized it, and uh, the, uh, the Redbirds are now in the International League. Um, where family travel half the country now. So, But I had a great time with them because uh, we had players like Albert Pujols and uh, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, kind of the holy trinity of the AAA Redbirds back in the early 2000s.
2: Hey Tom, good to hear from you. Thanks for the call.
10: Alright, thanks guys. We appreciate you fitting me in. And let's go Illini.
2: no thanks, problem. Tom. Mo Gardner is with us. Uh, Mo was uh, drafted after he left uh, the U of I by the Atlanta Falcons, played uh, some time there and decided to stay in Georgia right Mo? Yeah once I figured out that um it doesn't snow everywhere in the <laughs> country it was,
12: it was an easy decision.
2: So uh, tell us a little bit about your family and uh, your work what you're doing these days.
12: Yeah so um I have four kids you know my oldest Morgan was um uh the baby that uh, that, that we had here on campus um and and so um uh, Morgan, and then my son Andrew, and then I have another daughter named Price, and then my youngest son, uh, Nicholas. So everybody's out of college, everybody's out of the house, and but we do have one granddaughter that, that stays with us, Autumn, and we brought her with us uh, on campus, so we were over at the bookstore getting her some gear and stuff like that um, for the weekend. And um, I was fortunate, I was fortunate once I I, I was done playing with the Atlanta Falcons, I went back to school and went back to uh, Clark Atlanta Historical Black College in Atlanta and got my master's degree in library science. And ever since then, I've been working in research libraries, and currently I work at the uh, Auburn Avenue Research Library right there in downtown Atlanta.
2: I'll tell you what, guys that uh, Lauren and I covered over the years... When they start having grandchildren, (laughs) you're making us feel really old. Well, it's Lauren's birthday, so it's like... (laughs) We all hope we're still with us at uh, 91.
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, what are some of your best memories about your your time in Champaign-Urbana?
12: I mean, as as an athlete, uh, I mean, I really do look at that first year that I spent here. I, I really felt like that was really formative because like every kid that comes out of high school and you, you're you all state and, you know, you get to the university and you realize everybody's all state and everybody's a, a blue chipper. And um, it was a struggle. You know, I ended up uh, red in my first year. But during that year, I think I learned a lot about football. I learned a lot about sacrifice I learned a lot about commitment and I learned a lot about the decisions that I made to like come here, and so that redshirt year was really formative for me. You know? And a lot of people don't see it like that, but I benefited from that. And so, you know, even though it wouldn't be considered a highlight that, um, you know, ranks up with beating Ohio State or beating Colorado it really did for me as a player. And I think um, that foundation that I had, that red shirt year, really made that commitment to be here as an athlete. And, and when you're in a competitive atmosphere, coaches change, things change, but it really set a, a template for me. And <clears throat> going into the season, you know, that first year, I mean, there was a really big game that, that was really important to us that I felt like was a turnaround. We went to Michigan State, and it's funny that we play playing Michigan State today, and they had a good football team, Lorenzo White. I mean, they just had a lot of good players. And we ended up with a tie, but it was a tie that nobody expected us to get. We blocked a field goal at the very end of that game, and um, I really felt like that was a turning point that maybe the fans didn't recognize. But I really felt like it felt like we could compete as a as a team, and so we went on to really have some really big games. You know, those Ohio State games, like I talked about, um, the big Colorado game, going out to USC um, and beating the Trojans. You know, in California um, when they had. um, Ranovich, I think, was their quarterback at the time. Yeah, so um, those some some on the field highlights, you know, and <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and a lot of stuff off the field, you know, in terms of um, being married and being on campus and getting my degree, and, and a lot of that stuff, you know, doesn't again rank up to the Hall of Fame aspect of it, but it was an important part of it. Did you meet your wife here? No, my wife, um, we went to high school together. Did you? Yeah, she was in Derek's class, so she was a, a year younger than me. Uh, when I came to University of Illinois, the next year she went to Illinois State. Then she transferred uh, to U of I um, a year
3: later, so yeah. Uh, I was trying to look at the, the games in that 1989 uh, season. Uh, and by the way, you you beat Virginia in in the in the bowl game. Was yeah, that, that was your first bowl victory, I guess. It lost to Florida the year before. Yeah, that was. The, yeah. Who was the running back for Florida that year? Oh, a
12: guy named Emmitt Smith. Emmitt Smith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah just, just Emmitt Smith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, that that was. You look back on it, you know. Some of the, I was fortunate enough to be on some um, All American teams and and and, and travel and 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 meet some of those guys in person and to realize the kind of heights that you know some of those players you know reached that I was kind of in proximity to um when I went to the Falcons I played with a guy who didn't end up being a starting quarterback uh by b- name Brett Favre so but he ended up being pretty good after he left Atlanta so um you know it's just the proximities of some of the great players that you have you you really are fortunate and it really kind of seems what what was important you know in terms of um uh, my NFL career w- was one of the most challenging things that I've ever done in my life, but it doesn't rank up to, you know, I'm never going to be a Hall of Famer in the NFL or anything like that. But um, I played on Soldier's Field, which was growing up, you know, I'm a kid from Indiana. Yeah. All I did was watch the Bears every Sunday yeah. and I had an opportunity to to go and play in Green Bay. And those are things that I, re- I really cherish. and Those are things that are really important
3: to me. What was it like when Tepper took <clears throat> over your sophomore year?
12: Yeah, it was a big change. I mean, Coach Tepper had a whole different – uh, point of view in terms of a defensive coordinator, um, very hands-on, very um, uh, 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 intimate with the players. You know, he he really took the time to really understand what your game was and what your strengths were, and allow you to play within the structure that he crafted as a defensive coordinator, but also have that freedom that you just need when the play breaks down to to improvise and to, to figure some things out. So um, I really enjoyed playing with Coach Tappery. It was really a um, One of the few coaching relationships where I really felt like there was an intimacy that that just extended beyond the player-coach relationship. I really felt he was a really um, sincere family man, and a lot of that – um, you kind of absorb and you kind of admire you know so um he was somebody that um when i look back on coaches that i played for um I, I really enjoyed my time playing
2: for him as a defensive guy you've got to really like what you've been seeing from this illinois football team and leading the nation in virtually every defensive category yeah when you see a, turn, a team
12: turn around like the like the team has right now you can always know that there's a solid defense behind that you know and you really have some ball players that um you know really are hungry and, and really aggressive but a really nice structure. I mean, we were talking about the defensive coordinator that's presently there who really seems to be have his pulse on the on the uh, 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 game and, and really inter- interactive with you know what those players can do, really putting them in the best positions to be successful, and I think that's what good coaches do.
2: All right, Mo, we appreciate your time. Congratulations, by the way. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. Very proud of uh, you going in. And don't leave, Ken. I got a question for you. Anything <laughs> the uh, fans need to know? Heading to Memorial Stadium uh, regarding the wind or anything like that—is uh, everything status quo and everything as usual?
11: Yeah, everything's status quo. We saw that Purdue put a ban on all their tents and anything to, in case they're blown away. I do think that there's some common sense today. Uh, if, if you know the, the pop-up tents, we know how easy those are picked up and blown around. So you have to be very careful and thoughtful about that. Um, uh, at this point, there's been no change in our normal policy so okay. tailgate lots are, are active over there today uh block yourself from the wind as i told lauren to put some rocks in his pocket so he doesn't <laughs> blow blow away um, looks like the winds are probably going to lighten as the day goes along so hopefully that's the case we get to the game time but uh so far no changes to our normal normal game day policies
2: good deal that's ken brown and mo gardner we need to take a break we'll do that and be back with more after this stay with us It is 10.32 and on I-Pedal Saturday Sports Talk. Chugging along till 11 o'clock. Taking a break after that. Coming back on our pregame coverage, which gets underway at 12.30 from Memorial Stadium, ahead of Illinois and Michigan State in college football. Several Big Ten games, four of them actually, get underway here in just about 28 minutes. There's a lot of 11 o'clock games, including the Purdue-Iowa game that a lot of fans be keeping uh, an eye on certainly a lot of football to talk about as we've done throughout the show this morning but some basketball to talk about as well brad underwood's team opens up on uh, monday night against eastern illinois at the state farm center and joining us on the phone Mike Latulip, to talk some hoops are you ready for basketball season michael
8: it's crazy it snuck up on us hasn't it, and it? you know no surprise there's a lot of attention uh, on the on the football squad and rightfully so they've been rolling
2: it always does kind of sneak up on us this time of year when the when the two sports overlap for about a month, but fun times indeed, and I'm sure you're looking forward to uh, this edition of uh, the Illini basketball team, which will look a little bit different than what we've seen over the last three or four years.
8: Yeah, in a lot of ways, right? Both offensively and defensively. I think you saw glimpses of it in the exhibition game in terms of what they want to do, matchups they want to exploit, and, and who they want to feature within the offense. and um, But I think you'll see even more of that during the opener. A lot of those exhibition games, you keep it very vanilla offensively, and, and you just try to get your uh, your bearings straight defensively. And, and they struggled early on, and, um, you know, that's, that's typical for a team that's just getting together and, and starting to gel. So I'm excited to see that maturation process and the growth that they're going to have as they – continue to, to roll into the regular season here.
3: What's the difficulty, uh, Mike, in putting together a team with three or four freshmen, a couple transfers, and a few guys back from last year?
8: Yeah, going back to the 2013-2014 season, it was my sophomore year, and um, we had nine new guys. Uh, granted, three of those new guys were, were sitting out that year, but you're still trying to integrate everybody, and everybody learns at a different pace, and... Um, and and that's what makes it difficult because you know some guys can learn it just from seeing it. Some guys need to be on the court and, and rep it, and um, you know. But but that acclimation period, you know, the the type of guys you have in your locker room is is uber important because it's it, it's what expedites that process. And um, I think they have those type of guys, and they have guys that have transferred in and have won at a high, at a high level. They have um, high school players that won at a high level in high school, and that that seems to be kind of what um, Coach Underwood is, you know, how he's formulating that roster is he, he's getting winners. And, and that's, you know, you want winners to, to continue your winning tradition like they have over the past three years. So I'm excited to see them all put it together.
3: Uh, Shannon and Meyer seem like leaders and yet they're not yet leaders on this team. I mean, is that something you would see evolve over time?
8: Yeah, I think just naturally from what they've done in their careers and, Matthew Myers won a national championship. You know, Taryn Shannon's been a, a part of a Final Four and a lead eight, and there's just natural credibility that comes along with that. And um, but I still think, as older guys, you you have to find a way to, um, you know, to to be a leader and be leaders on that team. And um, that doesn't mean you have to be the most vocal person in the world. Everybody leads in, in different ways, but uh, you know, it's 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 going to be imperative that as the season goes on that. Um, these older guys that have been through the rigors of a college basketball season uh, are able to kind of guide these freshmen, and uh, who are going to experience undoubtedly some some ups and downs. So uh, I'm excited not only just for the team, but for these guys to see that that process play out and uh, who steps up, and uh, and then even the returners, you know, Melendez and and Hawkins, and I know Goody's going to be out for a while, but um, you know it's imperative for them to. Uh, to really lead as well, um, because it's a new system for for Matthew Meyer. It's a new system for, for Terrence Shannon as well. So um, you just got to find different ways to, to kind of pull each other along. And like I said, the quicker they can do that, I think the quicker they're going to kind of hit their stride.
3: What's your take on positionless basketball without a really uh, low post center?
8: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that you can do. Um, you know, you, you saw it a little bit in the exhibition game. They like that five-out you swing it to the top of the key wingman cuts through corner guy shapes up you can go into a triple handoff you can swing it go right into a ball screen and um, they like that it spaces the floor and you saw it in glimpses last year Um, you know Kofi gets basically fouls out the last 10 minutes of the Ohio State game they make that comeback at home and and Coleman's at the five and the floor just seems so much more spread out and there's a lot that you could do with Kofi but um, you know Kofi being the lumbering big that he is and, and you got to throw it into him. He's, he's occupying a lot of space in the, in the paint. So it takes away a lot of those driving lanes. And I think that's where this particular team is going to excel is getting in the paint, and not only getting in the paint, but getting to the free throw line. I think that's something that outside of Kofi, that team struggled with last year. And uh, the more you can get point blank layups and, and free throws, the the better your chance to, to win the game on, on that end, but also, um, you know, the better your chance to be an efficient offset, offense. So, um, a lot that you can do in positionless basketball, and I think uh, Brad Underwood's going to have a a great time kind of formulating these these different rotations and lineups because he's got a lot of guys that he can deploy in different spots to um to try to attack you know, the different teams in the Big Ten and, and what they offer.
2: Talking to Mike LaTulip, is that what you're maybe uh, most curious about over the first month of the season, seeing those rotations and trying to work that out? Uh, Against a schedule that is, it has some of the usual ball games that you think um, that uh, Illinois would win, but there's also some tough ones in that first month.
8: Yeah, you can learn a lot from from each game, and uh, as the regular season starts, you know, you, you have a couple ones you should win here early on, but you're going to learn a ton in that UCLA game, in my opinion. You know, who do you have? Who can step up in big moments? Who's who's up to the challenge? And um, just as much as we're sitting here watching it play out, so is the staff. Because uh, you can see a lot in in uh, off-season workouts and practices, and uh, but it's different when the lights come on. Different guys react differently. Um, you know, certain guys relish and uh, in those types of moments, and uh, and other guys can kind of shy away from it. So it'll be interesting to see who kind uh, you know who you know the cream rises to the top. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see who who kind of carries himself to that position. And um, I was really impressed with Sky Clark in that expression game, just as his pace and his demeanor and uh, the maturity that, that he played with. And uh, I think that's going to bode well for them moving forward. It's, but like I said, it's going to be interesting to see who else steps up as, as the challenges just grow stronger, not only in non-conference, but you get into the big template and it's a wide open conference, but you know, kind of under the radar. I think there's a lot of really good teams. You had the star power last year, but there's a lot of really good teams in this conference um, that can really vie for a, a, a title.
3: Yeah, I think there's a lot to vie for the title, but is is the league going to be as good as it has been in the past? And can India is it is is a team that went nine and eleven like Indiana last year? Can they uh, are they uh, appropriately uh, favored?
8: Yeah, I think you know the star power is, is certainly gone. There's there's no Jaden Ivy, Johnny Davis, Kofi Coburn. Um, those guys are those guys are gone. So now I think what you do have is some teams that, that still have some good pieces, um, you know, watching Michigan last night, Jet Howard, you know, Juwan Howard's son puts up 30 in the exhibition game and hits six threes. And they've addressed some things in, in not only in the portal, but uh, they have a solid recruiting class and Hunter should take another step forward. And Purdue still has Zach Eady. And, um, you know, they got some, some key transfers as well. Some good freshmen. Um, Iowa, I think is another team that's, that's kind of underrated. They finished three games ahead of Indiana. Last year, I get they lose Keegan Murray, but his brother Chris uh, should be a first-round pick this year. You expect steps from Tony Perkins. You expect steps from Patrick McCaffrey uh, and Peyton Sanford. So you know Indiana is the the other one that I look at. Look, I I, I definitely understand you bring in Jalen Shafino, you bring in Malik Renew, uh, two really high-profile recruits, and uh, and then you hope to have steps forward from from Race and Trace and uh, Miller Kopp and um, Tamar Bates and these guys on this team. But look, I. I I'm a history guy Lauren, and the history is not on Indiana's side in terms of finishing below 500 and winning a title the following year. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't since I think 1991 or 1990 for a team in the big 10 to do that, to, to be under 500 in conference play and then win it the next year. Um, you know, coincidentally it was Indiana who did it. So <laughs> maybe they can kind of capture that lightning in a bottle again this year, but uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And, uh, it's a, it's a wide open league, but I think as you go down even ten deep, like Wisconsin still has Stephen Crawl and Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn, and uh, you know there's there's going to be some teams that are some tough outs and some pesky some pesky teams that I think can can steal some games in in conference play.
2: That's Michael Latulip. Always appreciate your time, Michael, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
8: Sounds great. Thanks, guys.
2: You bet. It is ten forty two. LaNai IPella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a time out. we be back with more. We'll have the phone lines open if you'd like to jump in. Back after this. It is 1046. LaNai Ipella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Busy day today. A lot of Football Talks and Basketball Talk as well. Hall of Famer Mo Gardner spent some time with us here in the studio. Another Hall of Famer is on the line with us, Mike Small. Smallie, how are you doing this morning?
5: Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Lauren.
2: You, get your, your, uh, sure. you get your right. Big Ten uh, rings, don't you, today?
5: <laughs> we do get those today. It's going to be fun. It's always a fun time for the guys to celebrate last year's season and uh, to help motivate us for this year's season.
2: I was thinking, I don't know if you have enough uh, fingers and toes to to, <laughs> to wear all those rings. And, uh, you know, Lauren and I could stand one if you, you got another, an extra <laughs> one or two.
3: I'm always there for you, Steve. <laughs> <and I'm there. laughs> I know that. What I want to know is, what would it be like playing golf today? <laughs>
5: uh, we've done it before, Lauren, and we're going to do it again. It's just part of the part of the territory here but uh it will be very difficult your lofted clubs put them in your bag leave them in your bag and keep the ball low and and putt and chip your golf balls where it's gonna be
2: well you take pride in playing uh in this kind of weather you take pride of having your team ready to play in this in all kinds of weather don't you
5: i do and um and but our team does and i think that's important just to play the game of golf if you're gonna play it for a living someday you have to embrace and uh accept um whatever comes your way and uh we always talk, you know, in, in, in golf, you got to control the constants in a game of variables, and uh, you got to control yourself, and you got to, you got to. It, it's all a mindset, and uh, you got to be ready for it. And uh, the guys that aren't are the ones that kind of lose ground that day. And you never know that one day could be the day you're waiting
2: for. You played in uh, four tournaments this fall. You won two. You finished second in one. Finished third in the other. Uh, assess the team's play during the fall part of the schedule.
5: I thought it was pretty solid. You know, we came into the season uh, highly ranked and regarded because of uh, returning players from last year and kind of in, in their world rankings how they played this summer. Um, we had some really hard golf courses this fall, um, kind of by design, but also the conditions that we played in. Not not too far from today, really. We played in some conditions in Michigan and in Ohio that were uh, thirty-five degree, thirty-two or thirty-five degree wind chills and and blowing like today. So um, our scoring averages weren't as good as I would like, but I think you can attribute that maybe to the golf courses and the conditions. Um, but to finish, I think we're eighth in the coaches' poll and seventh in another computer poll. Um, it shows we have potential. We have a chance this year, but we have to drive it more consistently. I thought we drove it pretty well at times, but not consistently enough in our putting. Um, we made a lot of putts early uh, at Olympia fields, the start of the season and beat a lot of top 10 teams. But then at the end of the year, we, we kind of struggled. I don't know if that was due to the conditions that we were playing in or the golf course or just or just us. We've got to figure that out this winter and, and uh, kind of tidy those things up and get our scoring averages a little better come next spring.
3: Well, let's talk about some of the individuals besides Chassard and Hunt and Jerry G. Who, who, uh, who is bringing up the bottom for you, you know, the, the, the key guys that you have to have to complete the team?
5: Well, that's, that's important, Lauren. You're exactly right. In college golf, it's about depth. You can't hide. Once you get into match play at the end of the year, the final eight teams make the match play portion. And that's something we've been at in the past quite a bit. We want to continue to do that, but you need some depth. So um, we're working on that. Obviously, Tommy and Adrian are at the top. I think they're going to, they're on their, their way to be all Americans this year. And um, Matisse Bessar, the transfer we have in fifth year senior from SIU has got a chance to have a really good spring, I believe. Um and Jackson Buchanan had a had a had a runner-up finish this year. A, a sophomore on our team from Atlanta, Georgia, that that um, his consistency is something he needs to work on and get and get better at. And if he does, there's 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 four formidable guys. And then you got yeah Pearson Hunt and Nico Lang and Jerry G are going to be sitting there trying to fight, figure out um, uh, you know who's going to complement these guys and uh, and and kind of get us get us down that road. And um, the game is so hard. We all know that it's 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 so uh, inconsistent at times you need that depth. But all three of those guys I just mentioned have had success in the past. They've all played well. So it's in there. We just got to get some more, some more consistency and reliability. And, and I believe it's in there and that's something we're going to take care of this off season.
2: Talk a little bit about uh, Jerry G. He was, um, uh, highly touted when he got here. He had some great, uh, tournaments for you. He had shoulder problem. Is that right?
5: Yeah. He, uh, he's, he's got a torn, torn labrum and a messed up shoulder in there last winter and, uh, rehabbed it. And, um, um there's got some got that work done with the doctors and trainers and and he's he's good to go it's just um it takes a while and um and then when you try to come back from that injury and and your scores may not be as good as you want them to be um other parts of your game suffer and your confidence goes a little bit so we're it's a work in progress but yeah jerry was at one time a top 50 player in the world um he's still top 100 he's still got the potential in the game it just takes time to get that back and uh, a lot of golfers go through those those times those periods and some are longer than others but um he's working hard um I think when the when it starts to click again and he again gets his speed back and his uh his mojo back if you will I think it's going to come on quickly and that's what we're hoping for and um you know again this this off season is very very big for Jerry and it's uh in the spring season if we can get off to a good start and get some guys building momentum in February and March then I think come April and May he and along with the others can really start building some uh some uh, you know that, that body of work that we need uh, come come May and come May and June.
3: Will they be able to get some warm weather maybe in December when they're out of school?
5: Yeah, you know we got four four and a half weeks off between semesters, and all of them are going to play somewhere. um They're either going to play in Florida, um, or out west in Arizona, even the European players on our team. I think we'll come back and try to play. I think Jerry's talking about coming back and playing in the uh, the Jones Cup, which is a big event down in Sea Island that a bunch of our guys are going to play in, and that's important. Um, you know the, the play in the summers and the play in the, in, in, in the time between the semesters it is important for their growth and just, and just their confidence. So the more they can get out and play, uh, that time of year is big. Uh, but we have such a busy spring with traveling and, and practicing. Um, you know you don't want to you don't want to run into it too quickly, too hard. But it's you're right, Lauren. It's important to get out and play and, and compete in uh, semester break to see where they're at.
2: I know you're a football fan, as are some of your players. You got to be enjoying this alumni season right now, huh?
5: Oh, we are. We are, and uh, that's what I was going to say at the very start of this of the segment. Um, I really enjoyed listening to Mo Gardner. I, I watched him when I was in high school, and I remember a big, big fan. And I was driving into the office this morning, heard you guys on the radio, and it was just uh, brought, it brought back some good memories of me as a young Alani fan watching him. And I think the guys on the team are having that same experience now with this team. And uh, there's going to be some guys on this defense that are going to be playing in the NFL here before long. And it's going to be fun to follow them. And I just think um, Brett and his staff have done such a wonderful job changing the culture and. And working from inward and building that base, that you're starting to see this um, this success now, and I think it's just going to continue to grow and build on itself. And this is an exciting time to be in Illini. I know that.
2: Back to golf. Uh, coming up on the spring schedule, area golf fans might want to make note of April 22nd and 23rd, Fighting Illini Collegiate at the Atkins Golf Club in Urbana. It'll be the first time in a while that uh, fans uh, around here will get a chance to come out and watch the Illini in action.
5: Yeah, we're looking forward to that. It's something that people have talked about, and we've done it in the past. It's been probably, what, seven, eight years maybe since we've had an event here in Champaign, maybe a couple of years longer. But we have the one in Chicago in the fall every year that um, is just a staple in college golf. But to have one here is something we've wanted to do. And the golf course out at the Atkins Golf Club is, is receptive to that now, the way it's set up, the way it's designed, the way it plays. And uh, we have seven Big Ten teams coming in. Uh, that weekend you mentioned, which is the week before the Big Ten Championship. So it's going to be an exciting time. We're hopefully building momentum and hitting hitting the peak, and hopefully the weather will cooperate. And It's going to be a 10-team field that's going to give the people around here in Champaign a chance to come out and get to see the guys you know, face on and kind of get to know them a little bit better and watch them compete and uh, hopefully springboard us into the Big Ten Championship again the next weekend.
2: Hey, Mike, enjoy your day. Thanks for your time, and uh, congratulations on another Big Ten title. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You bet. Illinois golf coach Mike Small with us at 1055. A final break and some final words after this.
10: Store. want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store. Easy to find. 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Or visit them online.
2: PellaOfChampaign.com Got about ninety seconds left on uh, this edition of Alliance IPELA Saturday Sports Talk. High school football playoff uh, games today involving area teams in five A. Muhammad Seymour, the number one seed there, plays tonight at seven o'clock at home against number eight seed Metamora. In three A. Prairie Central, the number one seed is at Roxana this afternoon at uh, two o'clock. And uh, other games: uh, Tolona Unity, the number four seed. Will play at home against Mount Carmel. St. Joe Ogden is at Olympia. In 2A, Bismarck Henning Rossville Alvin takes on Knoxville. And Arthur Lovington Atwood Hammond meets Johnson City. And in 1A, Salt Fork plays Ridgeview Lexington and Tuscola against Jacksonville Route. Illinois and Michigan State. Mr. Tate, we got about 30 seconds left. Give me your thoughts.
3: Well, you just got to beat the elements and beat the other team. I mean, the elements are going to be huge today. And uh, I think the passing game is going to be a little tricky, and I don't think there will be a lot of long passes. If, you, if you're throwing with the wind, if you're throwing from, with the south wind behind you, you better hold it down.
2: Thanks to our guests, Jack Ebling, Lou Tepper, Edgy Tim O'Halloran, Mo Gardner, Kent Brown, Mike LaTulip, and Mike Small. For Lauren Tate and Dave Leak, our producer, I'm Steve Kelly on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Have a good weekend, everybody.